0: Welcome to episode 5 of the Canes Country Podcast. We are halfway to double digits, which is a phenomenal feeling for us. Uh, this is Brett Finger, and this week uh, we have the two normal hosts, uh, Kyle Morton and Justin Late, but we have our very first guest. You all know him from canescountry.com, senior writer Peter Dewar. One, how are you doing? Two, how does it feel to be on this podcast?
2: Uh, I'm doing great, but you know it feels even better to be on this uh, fine podcast you boys have running here. I've listened to the last four of them now, and i been excited to get my, my chance on one. So thanks for including me.
0: You're our longest time listener, so that's good for you. Yes. Pretty
3: sure you're our only listener, but, you know, it, it works. It's all right. Family counts.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, by the way, Brett, for referring to us as normal. Um, we are very normal. <laughs> uh, I mean, we definitely didn't just spend 10 minutes off mic trying to figure out how to pronounce the Florida Panthers head coach's name and to, to avoid a certain mispronunciation. And that's just something that normal guys do, I like guess.
2: It's Bugner. just so you know.
1: It's Bugner, according to our yeah, sources. Buegner,
0: that's what I said. Peter's going to be our official uh, <laughs> pronunciation coach here
1: on the Canes Country Podcast. And speaking of that guy... You know, Mr. Bugner, as we have just learned his name is pronounced, uh, allegedly. Uh, he was a former Hurricanes defenseman in his day. And you know who's a current Hurricanes defenseman? Brett Pesci, who just signed a six-year contract extension that will pay him $4.025 million on an annual basis. Guys, a lot of the hockey world is a buzz about this signing. Uh, lots of positive feedback heading the Canes way. Uh, what do you guys think? well it seems like you know there's
2: some people who are buzz about pesci but then there's a lot who saw that contract much like they did with slavins and kind of went oh i don't know who this guy is how can he be worth that much money and you know anyone who's been paying attention to the hurricanes knows that the defense is the the heart and the future of this team and uh you know having pesci along with slavin locked down for this kind of term and for a fairly decent price too is is a dream for ron francis and uh I don't know. It's 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 definitely a good thing. I'm excited to see uh, where he goes from here.
0: Yeah, it's kind of felt like a like a no-brainer after the Slavin deal. I think the 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 order of who they were going to sign on the blue line was kind of naturally Slavin, Pesci, Hannifin, just based on how much they have to prove and where they are in their their careers. But the the dollar amount here is I think better than what anyone could have hoped for. Um, like Peter said. Uh, there are a lot of people that are just kind of ignorant to the Hurricanes' blue line, whether that's, you know, willingly or not by choice. Um, but yeah, the, the term's great, the player's great, the money's great. I said the same thing about the Slavin deal, and it's just, it seems like a perfect deal for all sides, and it's uh, kind of, you know, they're two, two-thirds two of the way through their their blue line um, in terms of signing them before they uh, they hit RFA status. Uh so Haven's the last one. So he might take a little bit longer than, than the other two, but both of these deals so far were great and again there's no brainers.
3: Yeah, this contract came in a, <clears throat> a little bit higher than I originally anticipated. I said he was gonna come in at three point five, but four is not a, a term that, you know, you kinda step back and like, whoa. Um but I think that having locked up Slavin and Pesci that was a huge part of this off season and really like set them for a long time.
2: Yeah. So I I kind of have a question here. Uh, Given
3: the last two
2: signings, you know, Pesci and Slavin, what do you think they do with Hanifin's next deal? I mean, is it, do you think they bridge him? When do you you think he signs and you know, how much would you say he goes for?
1: Yeah. I think Hanifin is pretty much destined for a bridge deal at this point. Um, I I would expect that to come in at around two years at, at $3 million a year. Uh, he was pretty good after the Hansey trade uh, when he got a chance to step into a top four role, uh, but I didn't see anything from him to make me certain that he's going to be a top pairing defenseman moving forward. Uh, obviously his upside to do that is there, uh, but I think he still has something left to prove and who knows, maybe he has a huge breakout year this year and then, you know, this whole conversation changes and maybe then you you he's the type of guy that Francis wants to lock up just as he's done with Slavin and Pesci this year. But as of now, Barring a huge breakout for Hannafin, I think he's headed for a bridge deal.
2: Yeah, and, and the Hannafin future deal is uh, an interesting conundrum. Uh, you know, They signed Slavin wisely this year before he had the potential for a, a true breakout year, even though he has been very good. Uh, he and Pesci both for the past season, and uh, even their rookie years were, were very good. But given where their trajectory has them headed, uh, you know, it makes sense to sign them early, whereas Hannafin, you know, he's his ceiling is still very high, but he's, he's still got some work to do to, to get up there, so I think it makes sense more to wait on him than it would uh, on these two, so it's good that they got them locked down early.
0: I think a recent example of a Canes player who's coming off of an ELC onto a bridge deal, that kind of makes sense as a comparison to Hannafin's Lindholm. You know, these are both number five picks that maybe were a little bit rushed to the NHL and maybe didn't blossom into the player that they expected immediately. Uh, Lindholm got a bridge deal. I think you're all right with Hannafin's going to get a bridge deal. I think it's 100% unless he comes out this year and just turns into an all-star level defenseman or something close to it. Uh, So, yeah, I agree. I think the the bridge deal is, is something that makes sense for a relatively low dollar amount.
3: Yeah, and it makes sense to lock up players like Slavin, Pesci, and Hannafin because they're more or less the sure bets of the organization. I think players like Bean and Flurry, you can't really count on them at this point in their career. They could end up flourishing into something, but if you're going to lock up your core for, um, in this case, Pesci, Hannafin, Slavin, and uh, Falk, um, you know, it's wise to go ahead and do that.
0: And Brett Pesci is a real analytics darling, so to speak. And uh, the Hurricanes added another analyst to their their team. Uh, Eric Tolsky announced via Twitter that uh, Kevin Can, or at DataRink on Twitter and his website, DataRink, uh, is joining the Hurricanes as a data analyst. And my question for you, Kyle, is can Kevin Kan uh, do a good job in this new role for the Hurricanes?
1: Well, well, first of all, I think that I think you just won the award for worst pun in uh, season one of the Canes Country podcast. I mean, I don't know how many episodes <laughs> we're going to have in a season, but <laughs> that's going to be at least five. Tough. that's going to be tough to top. Um, but yeah, I actually don't know a whole lot about Mr. Can, but uh, from everything I read on Twitter, I uh, seem to a lot of people seem to say that he does a better job with. Uh, getting data visualization done than anyone else uh, in the hockey blogosphere, so to speak. Uh, and that's exciting because that's that's a really important thing to be able to do. Like it's one thing to be able to have data and have meaningful data and have good data that you can take to a front office and say, hey, this is this is who we think is good or this is what we can do to optimize our lineup or whatever. But when you have someone working for you that can visualize that in ways that are easy to grasp and understand, uh, you know, for the people in the front office who may not be con- as conversant in the language of data and analytics, that's that's definitely a good thing, and it's going to make the communication uh, bridge a lot easier to cross for both parties, I think, and that's only a good thing.
0: If his animated graphs, uh, the ping pong stuff, uh, if that makes its way onto a PNC Arena jumbotron, I don't think many people will be upset with that. They're very good. Go data rank at Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> <At> Twitter. <laughs> Keep it. Keep it Data Rank at Twitter. Go Data rank at Data, rank at data rank on Twitter, not at I'm Twitter. I'm
1: gonna Google Data Rank at Twitter and see what happens.
0: I'm already headed. Yeah. Well, it comes hey, up. I, It comes go- up. Go- hey, go them. Them. so Google You're search <laughs> at Data Rank at Twitter. Data Rank at
2: Twitter. They are kind of cool to watch. The ping pong things. I love those. NBC released their schedule for uh, national coverage of games that they'll provide, calling it their, quote-unquote, most diverse schedule ever. The Hurricanes are still on it once. Meanwhile, it seems like the Blackhawks and Penguins have 17 and 16 uh, appearances, respectively. Uh, doesn't seem terribly diverse to me. Uh, Kyle, what do you think?
1: You know, it's it's a really good thing that this schedule is diverse because... There's nothing else about the National Hockey League that's diverse, and I'm just glad we finally have something. Uh, And if that means the cans are on once, and the diversity is, you know, the Penguins, the Blackhawks, the Capitals, and the gosh darn Red Wings and Flyers again, then sign me up. I love it. Yeah, and if there's any podcast that's qualified
0: to, to talk about diversity, it's ours, because we have four young adult white males, and um, you know this when I look at this NBC schedule, the most diverse schedule ever is pretty weak. Uh, the again, a lot of Penguins, a lot of Blackhawks, a whole lot of Flyers who are on there twelve times but didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Hurricanes on there only once. While it's it's not surprising. It's uh, when I look at this diverse schedule that NBC released I just I'm not really convinced and their their idea that a quote unquote rivalry game is Buffalo at Columbus is a little suspect but hey it, it should be expected that the hurricanes were only going to get one game a year and uh, it would be on a Thursday in April.
3: Yeah, it's no surprise for me either. I mean, when you have a team that misses the playoffs as much as we have recently, um, you know, it's no shock. And, you know, I think it's only been one game for the past three seasons at least. I Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I think the good point that our editor Brian made the other day was, you know, it is to sell ads and it's to reach bigger markets. And just right now, our market isn't exactly the hockey hotbed that some of the other places are.
2: Yeah, and that point about the NFL is interesting because I've heard, uh, you know, a couple of different articles, one from Second City Hockey, uh, the SB Nation uh, blog in Chicago, about uh, possibly adopting the NFL's plan of, uh, you know, flexing games during the week. So you have, uh, you know, these important games on a Wednesday night in the NHL, say, and you, you pick one each week that has you know, playoff implications later on in the season that you couldn't predict in August when you release the schedule. Um, and I think that could be a, a viable option for the NHL, especially given you know the unpredictable nature of it. It's probably easier than they would for them to do that than uh, it would be for the NFL. But you know, what do you guys think?
0: That's a smart idea. Um, I mean, games down the stretch, uh, a lot of them on NBC don't have much meaning to them. Uh, Carolina's this year could uh, against Philadelphia in April that could have playoff implications in the Metropolitan Division or the Wild Card race. Um, but yeah, it's that's that's definitely an interesting idea, and it's something that they definitely need to consider going forward because the the current state of NHL and NBC is kind of a joke sometimes. And we have another update in the long uh, ongoing rumors of the Carolina Hurricanes being sold by Peter Carbanes to Chuck Greenberg. Uh, Chip Alexander tweeted out yesterday, which is to tuesday august 1st um saying that the hurricanes have not been sold yet and there is a term sheet in place but no purchase agreement he also said that 11 or 12 groups have expressed interest in buying the team um he says that he's allowing chuck greenberg to have time to put together his group of people who are going to purchase the team um he said once once Greenberg has done that, they will examine his offer to see if it, quote, cuts the mustard. And uh, he said the sales price may shake out to between $450 million and $500 million, But he says he might still hold out a little bit longer if, uh, if he feels like the value of the team is going to go up. He says that the price may even go up to $550 million or $600 million, depending on the success of the Hurricanes this season. Peter? What what what's your take on the new rumblings about this topic?
2: Well, uh, you know, when it was first reported uh, what was that like two or three weeks ago by uh, Jeff Gra- Gravely at uh, WRAL. And I was kind of excited about it. I, I was excited to see what you know new owner could have, and and I figured it would be a process, given that's that's how sales of these natures kind of always tend to shake out. But but the uh, the new facts about uh, Carmanos actually being in the process of selling the team—it's—it's it's encouraging while also being a bit confusing. Um, the point about raising the price to uh, 550 or 600 million dollars—it kind of confuses me, given the value of this team was supposedly like what 250 million dollars, and he was—he was offered somewhere around 500 million. Granted, that's just an agreement; nothing has been signed. That's just a, a, a verbal agreement, and uh, you know, Greenberg still obviously has to work up the investors and and the money to do this. But, uh, you know, hearing those those kind of words from Carmanos, it it kind of begs the question of, uh, how close the sale really is to being done. If, if he's threatening to to raise the price, uh, you know, if it, if it doesn't get done in the next few weeks, you kind of wonder, uh, you know, how, how committed is Greenberg? Does he actually have the means to do this? And well, uh, you know, it, it, it's ideal to have a, a, an owner that puts the, the fans first as he does, um, you know he's, he's he's been proven to do that. There there are numerous articles about it. But you kind of want to you want to see him get to that point first. And if if he's the only one who believes in this project, then uh, you know it, it's it's a little disheartening to see that it's not going along as uh, promisingly as it once looked.
3: Yeah, for me it sounds like Carmanos is going to play hardball with with Greenberg. You know it seems like that price would only raise up. If it's not on his timetable, I know he said something about coming back next. Like if, if I have to go back, the price is going up, which is, I mean, I just don't think that's a way to negotiate. Um, but yeah, the the price is definitely a, like pretty impressive. You know, you would have to wonder if the Everblades are any way involved in this deal or if it's just for the Canes. Um, but yeah, the the price is pretty steep.
2: I also find it uh, a bit interesting about the 11 or 12 groups that have expressed interest in buying the team. Uh, that's the information we didn't have before this. And I kind of want to know a bit more about who those groups are. I mean, where are they located? Are they Raleigh groups? Are they North Carolina groups? Are they, God forbid Quebec groups? I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I want to know more about that. What do you think Kyle?
1: Yeah, we have, we have 11 to 12 groups interested in buying the hurricanes and we have 5,000 listeners at this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think it's mostly posturing. Um, he did say that any sale would leave the team in Raleigh, so I'm sure I'm sure groups from Quebec have reached out. I'm sure there's a couple people from Raleigh that have reached out, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, at all if that's just something he's just kind of making up out of thin air as a as a negotiating ploy. But you never know. But as we
3: said, this is going to be a continuous process, um, so stay with us. On canescountry.com and this podcast, will continue to keep you updated. Um, but we are actually going to get back into our season previews. Last week, we touched on the Detroit Red Wings and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Today, we got Florida and Montreal. Up first is Florida, who really didn't do much. What do you think, Kyle?
1: You're right that they didn't actively do too much, but they sure let a lot happen to them, or they caused they were the cause of a lot of things that happened to them. Uh, they bought out U.C. Jokinen. Uh, They, for some reason, didn't find a way to make a trade to protect Jonathan Marcheseau in the expansion draft. And then on top of losing him, they traded Riley Smith to Vegas. uh, And all they got back for—basically, all they got back for those two players was a fourth-round pick. I like the move uh, to bring in Evgeny Dadanov. Obviously, he's been having quite a few good years over in the KHL. Uh, The Canes did have the rights to him at one point, but uh, the answer to the often-asked question— as to whether or not they still did during this offseason was obviously no. Uh, and they one thing that confused me is they kind of they kind of uh, redid the whole musical chairs thing that they're doing with their general manager slot and uh, Dale Talon is back in there now. Uh, what do you guys think of that?
0: Well honestly after the ugly situation that happened with former Panthers head coach Gerard Gallant and uh, in Raleigh over the winter, uh, after he got fired on the road in the middle of a road trip, uh, right after the game, uh, and Tom Rowe kind of took the overlord position of head coach and GM after that, uh, it's it's not surprising to see that Tom Rowe is kind of being pushed back a little bit, and uh, his position is being given to a guy like Dale Talon, who of course is more experienced than Tom Rowe in that regard, and uh, you know I think after. You know, Florida not making the playoffs this year and the the situation to go on. It, it didn't really strike me as a surprise to see Roe not no longer be in the position of GM. Um, outside of that, though, the the player situation losing Marchesio and Smith to Vegas is huge, and they only get a fourth round pick back. I'm really curious as to what the thought process there was for for Florida. Um, in total, they lost four of their top seven point producers last year. They lost Marcheseau. They're not bringing back Jager. Uh, Riley Smith got traded to Vegas, and UC Okanen got bought out. Uh, you're hoping that Jonathan Huberto can stay healthy throughout the season next year and can contribute at a high level. Of course, Trocheck and Barkov are going to be big pieces for them moving forward. Maybe if Gandhi Dadanoff steps in and can help in the top six, uh KHL stats and NHL stats, you never really know how it's gonna translate. Uh Danov did play for a real good uh Moscow team in the KHL that won two titles in three years. Um, so yeah, it's 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 an interesting team that uh I'm not really sure took a step forward this year. It said that I think they might have taken a step back.
3: Yeah, um a player that didn't really get to hit his stride was Jonathan Huberto before he got injured. He put up, you know, 26 points in 31 games, which is, you know, a pretty good number. And he had, you know, 59 the year before, it seems like he started to hit his stride. So I think the most important thing for them this season is getting him back in active, you know, Barkoff's going to be there. Um, and you know, they have a few other solid players, but, um, you know, it's really about getting him up to the status of, you know, a former third overall pick.
2: Yeah. I think, a. uh, Another key for them is going to be Aaron Eckblad really taking over this team and and kind of making it his own. I think he's been their future captain since he was drafted. And it's time for him to take up that mantle. you know this this is a team that was pretty good not too long ago. I mean they they were doing well. they They made the playoffs. they they fell to the islanders uh, two years ago. Uh, but they can get back there with with the right kind of personnel and the right kind of leadership, and they have the scoring talent to do it. I mean, we we talked about Huberdo and Barkov and Trochek and uh, Petrovic and you know guys like that that can really put up some points. And you know, with with a guy like Ekblad on the back end, who is manchild 2.0 after Brandon Sod, uh, you know if, if he can really step up and start to to take over this team and and really lead them, uh, they could they could be dangerous, but. Uh, you know, it rests on a few different moving pieces
1: One thing that worries me about this roster is the depth at forward uh, They only have 10 NHL forwards under contract right now uh, And that's in, that includes Colton Sevior and Michael Haley and Derek McKenzie uh, McKenzie's 36, uh, is an all-right fourth-line winger And Michael Haley has no business playing at the NHL level at this point Let's just be honest uh, and there's some younger guys who could step in and take up that mantle. You look at Jared McCann, uh, who came over from Vancouver in the Eric Gabranson deal that I really liked for them a lot. Uh, he's 21 now, and I think this is going to be uh, somewhat of a make or break year for him because there's there's some openings there. Uh, the top six is set with Huberto, Barkov, Trocek, uh Dodonov, Yukstad, and Vervada, But beyond that, the the bottom six, I think it's wide open.
0: I think an interesting thing to follow this year for for Florida will be kind of the emergence of James Reimer again. Uh, Of course, he's been in in Florida with with Roberto Luongo. Um, As Luongo gets older and he starts to fade out, uh, I think they're hoping that Reimer can take up that number one job and uh, and kind of run with it. Uh, On and off, he showed really, you know, high upside in in toronto and then he signed that contract with florida and was kind of pegged behind luongo but again as he gets older and he's starting to maybe decline in his production will reimer be be that guy in florida and if, if he can then i think that really changes the outlook of this team not only this year but but moving forward
1: well i think we've said about all that there is to be said about the florida panthers and their off season Uh, And that brings us to a much more active team and a team that did a lot more uh, this past offseason. And we're talking about the Montreal Canadiens. They made a big splash on July 1st in free agency, bringing in defenseman Carl Alsner, who was previously a member of the Washington Capitals for his entire career. They signed him to a five-year contract that will pay him $4.625 million on an annual basis. And I gotta say... I think this is a strong early contender for the worst signing of this past offseason, And I'll tell you why Montreal last year traded Shea Weber for PK Subban. This year, uh, they just made it official that Andre Markov will not be returning that left a huge, huge vacancy on the top pairing. Obviously they filled the Subban hole with Weber immediately. Uh, but part of what made Markov and Subban effective and part of what made, Markov and Weber effective, although to a slightly lesser degree, uh, was Markov's mobility and puck-moving ability. Uh, He kind of made that pairing go and covered up for Subban's aggressiveness while also being the more adventurous side to Shea Weber on that pairing. He was a guy who was versatile. uh, and He could do very quietly whatever needed to be done on the top pairing. Uh, And now you're putting an aging, slow... Uh, Shea Weber with uh, an aging and slow And even less effective Carl Alsner Uh, And I think that top pairing Especially in that division Is going to be in for a lot of trouble this year Uh, Because there's no other candidates As far as left-handed defensemen go To play with Weber on the top pairing It's going to be Alsner And I think there's a couple teams in that division I mean I think there's a team in Toronto That might have some skilled fast young forwards And I think that the same could be said For a team in Tampa Bay Uh, And they're going to see the Montreal Canadiens a lot. And I think the Austin Matthews, the Nikita Kucherovs, the Jack Eichels of the world are going to be licking their chops every time they get to go over the boards and see that pairing because I don't think they're going to have much trouble skating against those guys. Uh, And I just think Alsner, while he's an all-right player, I don't think he's a good fit there. And I think that top pairing has the potential to go very, very poorly, very, very quickly. And the poor, poor man who will be playing behind that top pairing uh, is Carey Price. He's obviously the best goalie in the world, and he can mask some deficiencies in the defense. Uh, but he's going to be making a lot more money soon. Uh, what do you think about that new contract, Peter?
2: Well, I think it's well-deserved, first of all.
1: Um, I mean, like you said, Carey Price is the
2: best goaltender in the world. And I think if, uh, if Montreal is to have any hope at, at a playoff run this year, it, it rests on his shoulders, as it has for a very long time now. I mean, we saw what it was like when he wasn't playing for them and uh you know that that year i think it was 2014 when they lost to the rangers in the conference finals and dustin tokarski did the best he could but it was you know it, it was clear that they missed price so uh to have a, a guy like that be the heart and the backbone of your team you you're going to pay that man and you're going to have him around for as long as you can so eight years uh 10.5 million per is right about what i would expect for him uh, that makes him definitely one of the higher paid players in the nhl but it's you wouldn't find anyone who would tell you that's unwarranted. Um, so only time will tell if uh, he can carry his team back to the playoffs. Oh, <laughs> God, that was bad. I had to one up bread. I'm sorry. Well, price is locked down uh, for the next eight years. They, they still need to, uh, you know, obviously re up that defense a little bit. But down the middle, they, they look uh, a little bit more sturdy with, with Gail Chenyuk sticking around a little while. Uh, what do you think about that new deal, Justin?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, it's important to build it from down the middle. Uh, but, you know, he was a player that he took a little bit of a step back, only played 61 games, 44 points. Um, but I think, you know, the most important thing is your centers. I think it's a, pretty much the backbone to any team. You know, there's always needs for centers, <laughs> you know, not any team in particular that, you know, we cover. But, you um, <laughs> 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 but uh, no, I, I I like that deal. Four point nine million is not something, you know, you cringe about, especially for a player with his upside, and he he's still going to continue to grow. Um, so I I, I think that you know it four point nine in his production, I think it warrants it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, they're gonna need that that offensive help because, like Kyle kind of mentioned, their defense is getting. Real thin, real fast. You over the past couple years, you're trading out suban boyu and Markov, and bringing in Weber and alsner And talk about losing a step in terms of speed with each of those players. And you know, it's a weaker defense than than, than it was. Uh, Markov now coming back, I think, is going to be a huge loss for them. Alzner. Um, will come in and, and play in a big role, but he doesn't bring what Markov brings. So, you know, all that's interesting. Uh, losing Radulov to Dallas was was a big hit for them, too, and I think that kind of made the Jonathan Drewin deal even more necessary than it was beforehand because this isn't a team that, Scored a lot of goals last year. It's a team that that really struggled to put the puck in the net. And if you're losing a dynamic winger like like Radulov, then uh, you need to bring in more offensive help. And Druin will hopefully be that for them. Yeah,
3: and Druen and Galchenyuk, you'd like to see what they could do together. I know that I forget if it was Bergevin or um, whoever said that he won't play center. Um, so it'd be it'd be interesting to see what Galchenyuk and Druen can do together because they're both extremely fast. Invasive. evasive um so i think they would complement each other well
0: all right so we've talked about their off seasons and this is the portion of the show every week where we make a prediction each of us will make a prediction on whether these two teams will make the playoffs or not peter our lovely first guest on the podcast are the montreal canadians and florida panthers playoff teams yay or nay and why
2: uh, i'm gonna say no for both
0: um and it pains me a little bit to
2: do that because you know karma and everything so I feel like if I say no to them then the the Hurricanes are kind of doomed but uh, I think the Panthers lack uh, the forward depth to do it and their goaltending is is shaky Luongo is not the player he once was and I'm not sure what kind of player Reimer can be if he's ready to really step into that role and as for Montreal uh, that defense scares me and they're in a very fast division and those are not fast defensemen so I can see them uh, giving up a lot of goals despite having Carey Price back there he can do a lot but he can't
1: do it all I'm going to agree with Peter uh, as far as the Florida Panthers go. Uh, I mentioned the concern I have with their forward depth, and I just don't see that as something they can overcome. Uh, I don't think their defense is good enough to propel them to the playoffs. And as Peter mentioned, uh, Luongo's decline, uh, along with the uncertainty of Reimer as a full-time starter, makes me uneasy to see uh, a path to the playoffs for them. Uh, and I, look, I will say, I know, I know I made Montreal's defense sound like the worst thing to ever happen to hockey, but I do still think they'll make the playoffs because they have Carey Price. Uh, I think they're going to grab that third spot in the Atlantic. Uh, you look at the teams they're going to be competing with for that spot. Uh, I don't see them as being worse than Ottawa or Boston or Buffalo uh and i think you know i think the tiebreaker there goes to the best goalie in the world uh so i'll have montreal in third in the atlantic
3: yeah as for florida um there's a lot of concern for their forward depth as you touched on earlier um there's things you like on this roster you like Barkov. you like um ekblad but i just think there's a lot more they can build on and um that forward, I mean, that forward depth is brutal. It's brutal, so I, I don't see them in the playoffs. And as for Montreal, um, there's a lot, lot to like with this roster. Yes, you know, you subtract players over the past two seasons, like a uh, Subban and, and stuff like that, um, but I think there's still enough talent on this roster to get them into the playoffs. Uh, one thing you got to look at is Toronto going to hit the sophomore slump with some of their young guys. Um, you know, so I, I think that they will also get a divisional spot.
0: Uh yeah, and I'm kind of lining up with Kyle and Justin here. Um Panthers no. Uh, I I don't see how they uh improve off of what they did last year. They were not a playoff team last year and uh you know, the goal-tank situation is tricky. The uh the forward depth is bad. Um and Aaron Eckblad kind of carries that defense. Um so no, I don't think they're a playoff team. Montreal I think is a playoff team still. Um the, the offense isn't great, and you're hoping for, you know, Drew Wen and Gao Chen, you like to take the next step forward in their careers, and if they can, then that offense instantly looks a lot more dangerous, especially in the top six. Um, defense is not great. I think we've talked about that a lot here. Um, but it ultimately comes down to who's the best goalie in the world, and that's Carey Price. So if if you're, you know, asking me to put money on a team that's kind of on the border... Uh, especially in that division, I, I think I have to give it to the team that has Carey Price, even though he had a rough year last season. I, I think that you know you can't keep him down much longer, so I think he rises back to the top and he carries that team to a playoff team playoff spot.
1: All right, so there we have it we have zero votes for the Panthers making the playoffs, four against, and we have three votes for the Canadians making the playoffs, and one against. Uh, I do think that that will be all we have on this edition of the Canes Country podcast. Uh, for the third week in a row, we're going to hammer home that you can follow me on Twitter at K underscore Morton 9. And you can follow Brett at.
0: You can follow me on Twitter at Brett Finger, B R E T T F I N G E R. Of course, you can see all of our stuff on com.
1: And Justin.
3: I am at Lanky Lape on Twitter. Also, you can follow our Twitter account at Canes Country SBN.
1: And finally, our first guest, the man, the myth, the legend, Peter Dewar.
2: I can be found on Twitter at P D E W A R 1 8.
1: And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us.
3: Peace out.
1: It was pleasant. Bye. Did I pronounce your name right? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Dwarf? I think you did. Yeah, Dewar. Okay, good. I didn't want to... Most wanna people fucking... go
2: with doers like, the scotch, which is, like, how it should be said, but, like, nobody... We don't Nobody's say it that way. Gotcha. Um It hasn't been that way for a very long time.